0: Hello everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Town Talks podcast located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. All right, guys, and uh, so today I'm here with a really good friend of mine, uh, Lee Alonzo. I've met Lee down here in Venice uh, from time to time. He's he's one of the older guys down here, and he he always has a great story, and uh, he's 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 definitely one of a kind he's always willing to help somebody so this is my good friend lee alonzo say hey say hey How hey nice how you doing out there <laughs> <laughs> so uh lee can you go ahead and, and instead of me sitting here butchering it up go ahead and tell us about uh, some of your earlier days as far as you know what started you out on the water and then just kind of you know tell us about some of your first and, and try to keep fishing in mind you know so okay. some of your first yeah. you know yacht jobs or you know, yeah kind you know. of started off and uh a friend of mine had a small 31
1: Bertram and started fishing out of South Pass and at that time there was no oil rigs, there was no cognac and nothing, no GPS, we had a, uh, <laughs> what year was this?
0: Oh god, that was a long time ago, I was a young fella then, <laughs> and uh, we had a rate, ra- what, what year ra- would you say about, just to give us a timeline, 70s or? Early,
1: early 70s, early 70s yeah, I want to say then probably, uh, god. Yeah, I guess the early 70s, maybe late, and uh, anyway, we used to fish out of South Pass at that time, there was no rigs or nothing to go by, no GPS, it was radio direction finding, go offshore, turn the radio direction finding, get a good beep, and then you kind of hit, and you start seeing land, and there's a lighthouse at South Pass, and <laughs> all right, we made it back for the day. <laughs> and,
0: uh, so, how many were there? A lot of rigs out there then? at that or? time?
1: There was no rigs, there was no cognac no, no lemon,
0: none of these. So, y'all would just go off the shelf and just look for fish. Look, yeah.
1: Well, at that time, yeah. it was just look who where was the rip at? Yeah, oh, yeah. the rip. Yeah, the, years yeah, that ago, that was Dutch Prager, Chubb Herring. Uh, god, just some of the old old time a Boudreaux. There were people there that was you know that that was in their heydays, and no yeah. big boats. Uh, at that time It was all
0: like Bertrams
1: and Small boats Well crafts uh, You know Whatever type Type yeah. of is. Uh, I remember I think Billy Trotter Had a 31 Bertram Then he got a 42 Bertram And man When he got a I think he got a 54 Bertram I think and it looked, That would look like A battleship You know Compared <laughs> to everybody Else's little things So But as wow. time goes Big and better things So Right so, right anyway. So
0: You know that, that started for you here And uh, that was in You know in Venice and everything. Yeah. What what was that was that a job for you? Was that Well, I was, was just on, on I the worked
1: thing. in all field business and at that time on my time Board off I would thing, yeah. Go let's go, <laughs> let's go fishing. Yeah. And then uh you know some of the time some of the times there I would go uh Work with John Coulon, had the Cougar, worked with his dad when his oh, dad the was Cougar. there. Oh, the
0: Cougar, yeah, yeah, everybody yes. knows the Cougar, for everybody listening, yeah. that's the big blue... Uh, yeah, big blue ugly boat there. Had yeah, a the big blue boat out there, yeah. But anyway, I worked with his long. father,
1: used to, go, you know, being young, because due to overnight trips, go to 152, catch Amber Jack, catch at the groupers, I think... Uh, at that time you can catch all that and there was no penalties at that right, time, right, you know, right. no limits at all, so, well. filet, whatever, huh? <laughs> filet and throw them in ice. chest. So yeah. that was it. Yeah so. yeah.
0: so, um, you know, you started, uh, doing that and you worked for the, the Bud or the Anheuser and Bush. Uh,
1: yeah. But I, before all this, this year, i worked for a gentleman out of Southwest Louisiana, Jack Lawton had a boat 50 Well, we had several boats there, but, uh, Boat I first started on was a fifty four Bertram called the L. And we used to kind of we fished South South Pass a lot and and uh then we you know, then we started travelling a little bit and then of course went on the big and better things, went and worked a little part time there for with Edison Swester, their mothership and all that and Oh, that big how big was that boat? Uh, I think one forty at the time, I think it is. Really? Um, what, what kind of places did you guys go in that Well, place? we fished the Pacific, did the... Uh, all, I guess, all along the uh, west coast there, through the Panama Canal, up Golfito and... Uh, Golfito. Cool. See, Golfito, at that time, there was no Los Sueños. At that that was just a cow pasture at that time. <laughs> that's crazy. I uh, saw it in its heyday. Then wow. Flamenco, they had another Flamenco there down that's off of Papagayos and all that. That's where everybody fished at, so... Of course, and go big and better things so I think we we've been to the, at that time we went to the uh, Cocos Island out there which there was no boundaries at all you could just fish wherever you want to fish at. Tyson's pride was over there he had a mother's mother ship called Horizon and it, it was an oil field vessel that he made it into a mother ship wow. and uh, but he later on in time he ended up going Australia to Australia and all different parts of the world with that thing. sometime towing the game boat, which was a merit. Wow! And uh, they went all different parts of the world, Australia and different places there, and, you know, trying to track down the biggest fish and to catch the biggest fish. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and guys, for everybody listening, before me and Lee did this podcast, I was sitting down with him and he he shared with me his uh, his photo album and. I was stunned at the amount of pictures I saw. I mean, countless thousand pound blue fins and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, swordfish and, and, and really old swordfishing pictures, which is really cool to me. So um, just just because it was so interesting, let, let's go ahead and talk about um, the swordfishing that you did. And you said that was back in 1996 when you started catching?
1: 697 in Venezuela it was. And at that time, you know, we... The locals there would fish him like I said, you would pull an arm length and let it go down, and pull another arm length and not long length. Before you know it, you was hurrying up and then what was happening- well, To it, try
0: to get it to, to count how to, far it was going yeah.
1: down? Yeah. Oh, so you so that you'd know the depth. Know right. the depth. But that never did work. It's always, you get tired, next thing you know, you, you your weight's going past the bait and the bait's spinning around on your main line. Right, right, right. So we uh kind of reinvented the wheel there by, taking a small citrus citrus sack that, that would you put oranges or mm-hmm. you know, what mandarins or whatever it is and we would put basically like 13 pounds of rocks and then we would put a piece of 10 pound test monofilament between the rocks the bag of rocks and your bottom hook and it goes straight to the bottom with it and when it gets down there you reel up on it and you would pop that little monofilament and there, there would just start on your set Right. and it was amazing the fish that we caught I bet it was. Of uh, <laughs> course, always cool. the big one got away. We yeah. had tums. We,
0: What was that big one? I saw a picture of it. It looked that like it was pretty the, beat up. Uh, was, uh, the one with the Mako ate him. Yeah. It he was, was 460 and didn't have no nose and his tail was missing. So Wow, anyway. that's crazy. And so, you know, um, just because, you know, we, we had a lot to learn in, here in Venice whenever, you know, daytime sword fishing was coming around. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how, you know, learning and all you know you told me that you you uh learned it from that they were catching them from like the long liners and then from there so you kind of knew that they were there so let's kind of talk about like how how you knew to go fish for them and then like what what you started doing as far as where you started and like you know what was you know just a little more in depth about it It it's pretty interesting
1: we would go there and some of the fisheries there you could go to the fish dock where we used to buy squid and uh buy boxes of sardines so when we go sword fishing we always throw some chum in the water catch a dorado or you get a get a tuna fish or something around the boat but once you get a yellowfin on the line then it goes to a different program everything gets tangled and then you're losing your line <laughs> and you curse it and then if we finally quit leave tuna fishing alone it's just swordfish so. just swordfish so
0: y'all tried to do both at the same time well you time. know we yeah.
1: drifted there let's throw some chum in the water yeah
0: that's that, that's we get customers all the time that want to do that it's hard to do it's hard to do both here yeah it's it doesn't and really the fish work goes exactly
1: well. the opposite way you want him to yeah. go so anyway it's
0: so was there a lot of days of not catching any it's kind of uh, skunking out or was yeah the, you know uh there was days that we
1: would fish most of the day start off in the morning in venezuela there was no such thing as early you know you leave the dock eight o'clock 8 because you only had to go 10 miles 12 miles and start fishing some right. days where the conditions were you may have to go maybe 20 miles right but it right. was all close fishing right up basically right close to the beach mm-hmm. real good depths of water a lot of bait a lot of whales just mother wow. nature, life huh? <laughs> mother nature had its best to see what went by you wow and uh and of course these group of guys that were fishing uh they group, group, so, group. they
0: were fishing like for like a snapper group or anything, yeah, anything on the bottom. Yeah, huh?
1: anything on the bottom. Yeah, And they would bring it up and they would tell us a lot of times they'd be fishing in, boy, they get tangled with a big sword fishing. and they doing everything by hand and they trying to bring the harvesters' fish in yeah. by hand, and of course, everything's a tangle or either lose everything, and, <laughs> and they would tell us. And it, you know, you get kind of get an idea. Them guys never had no GPS to get a. Did they tell you guys any spots
0: to go try or did well, y'all just kind of. They just kind of like, you know, they didn't have no GPS or anything. It was all by sight. Yeah, they would all go by sight and just kind of fish in the general area where they kind of think was, they're in. Yep, good stuff. And it was amazing what they. You go to the fish market and see
1: a grand slam laying on the floor. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like they caught everything and, yeah. and whatever. So. That's crazy. Anyway. Wow. Wow. So anyway we uh as the as time went on we tried all different types of baits. You know, what's you know of course everybody likes squid, but down there they had too many predators, so it was always getting something chewed on it. So then we would try maybe okay, octopus. Well that was the same thing. It was real soft so The predators can <laughs> Yeah, we go and buy
0: octopus from the seafood market, Yeah, the
1: markets all that <laughs> stuff. So then okay, that didn't work. Then we said, Okay, let's uh try ribbon fish because a lot of times we caught swordfish and we cut them open just to see what they were eating of course it was full of ribbon fish so yeah, yeah. we would do you know try ribbon fish okay well ribbon fish comes in sometimes four foot long lengths so we cut them and kind of sewed them together to make a from four foot to a foot and a half long yeah. by I but that was all too many malfunctions ripping it all apart and everything so then we started using mullets, and that mullets
0: was the best thing. Mullets were the best. Yep. You can. I don't uh, know why we don't use mullets. We find I found mullets in them all the time. Yeah. I've never really rigged a mullet. We we use a lot of squids, and uh, I mean we use strip baits, you know, uh-huh. bonitas and stuff. It doesn't seem to really matter. A lot of people think um, most people. Most people think squid work the best, but I, I don't know. Everybody's got their yep. their thing when it comes to that. You yeah, know how We used how to use
1: <laughs> squid. It, certain type of squids would real be a real thick skin squid, and that would be the ones we get. But couldn't get a loligos I think, or elix. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. But the skin was real thick. And if you had a, at the times if we had squids and they were thin, we used to double up squids. Take one squid and stick it inside the body, of the other, and kind of make it fat and yeah. ch- chunky and kind of sew him <laughs> up. But like I said, we finally got to the mullets, and that that was it.
0: And uh, you didn't have the predators to pick on him because he was the scales. Right, and uh, and so like you went down to Venezuela. You said you were down there for ten years. Yeah, off you going back right? and forth, back and forth, back so. and forth. Yeah. yeah. And who was that with? What what? Uh, was that, I worked huh? with the Budweiser people. The Budweiser. I was the Bud Man. Huh? Yeah, the Bud Man. That's pretty cool. So, wow.
1: Been a uh, lot of places. A lot of people know it. And, Still to this day, man, they still ask where I'm at or where where's the boat at. So, <laughs> it's another boat sold many years ago. So yeah, yeah.
0: So the that you worked. How long did you work for the Bud Man? Uh, 25 did? years. 25 years. Yeah. Wow, then that's we a went off the big and better things. Retired. <laughs> <You> Retired. <were> <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Um, so the whole time you were at the on the Budman, did you did you have a uh, m- bunch of different people working for you? Or well, I would it? hire the locals, and the locals, the locals would be really good fishermen.
1: You know, of course, they only learned by as years went by. They got hired by American boat that came down there, or either a local Venezuelan boat, but. The local Venezuelans didn't have all this fancy stuff like we had they right had, right now. It would really take learn. A, yeah. Instead of we go to Mo Craft and buy a chugger They take a water bottle cap and punch a hole in it and put a ballyhoo behind it And that was their chugger and they caught just as many fish as we did so <laughs> getting them up <laughs> yep, so you know Moecraft, Frank Johnson there he he didn't have to go through all that just we use water ca- caps on the bottle so <laughs>
0: We're doing it wrong yep. <laughs> That's funny Um. Wow. So, um, you would hire mostly Venezuelans and like, yeah. and then what, within, within having the boat the whole time, did you have a, a deckhand just keeping it up or you did you well, do it all we yourself? Well, we had basically
1: kind of, we had a staff. We didn't have one. They worked for hardly nothing, but they're all good boys. They had basically one guy would kind of have everything ready in the morning for us to go fishing and the other boys would show up and yeah. break baits and everything. And then it was amazing. All those times that, worried about getting ballyhooed you had a, a gentleman lived there that you he come to you every evening how many ballyhoo you want <laughs> and uh, okay I need three dozen and the next morning in the cooler the only thing you had to do is put a cooler with ice in it and icy water the and brought him he would have him all rigged up and no not no, rigged up no, Catch him. he would just, just catch him catch him fresh that night oh, okay. and man it was you didn't have to worry about a bait washing out and all that it was just nice fresh bait baits. Huh? Yeah. and then hey, every once in a while okay let's uh Let's get some flying fish when because Venezuela had a basically kind of spring season, and that would be more or less marlin. And uh, them, them little flying fish were tough, man. You can rig them, and right. and you know, one like a ballyhoo, you could rip them apart, they would stick together and pull them, they pull real good when it's rough.
0: Yeah, and, uh, can you tell us a little bit about tuna fishing in Venezuela? I was looking at all your pictures, yeah. and it sounded like you guys. Man, it sounds like, <laughs> I mean, how big was that biggest one y'all caught? Uh, or was it 290? 281. 281. That's the, bigger than any tune I've yeah, ever the caught. The biggest I've
1: seen down there was a 314 caught. A 314. Yep. Man, that's so, a behemoth. <laughs> and, uh, of course, a lot of people, we'd be fishing billfish with light tackle, and all
0: of a sudden, boy, they pop up on you and you did y'all get them mainly trolling, or did y'all do muscling? Uh, a lot thing? of
1: times it'd be trolling. You go look for them, look for the birds. But during yeah. the spring, everything, Mother Nature's doing its course. The sardines would go, be migrating. Right, right. Everything yeah, starts coming alive in the spring. I mean, and then there's the porpoises. thousands of porpoises, Just unbelievable getting the ball of baiting you can chase the porpoises, chase the porpoises. see it's the them.
0: opposite whenever the porpoises show up to the rigs around here man it's like game over no, nothing going on <laughs> man that would
1: be the thing find the porpoises they ain't traveling they ain't like slow motion It's they full speed just going chasing that bait you try to get in front of them try to get in front of them exactly you get in front of them do a couple of zigzags kind of keep your bait just in front of them sometimes you got to pick up and You can run run them, you know, okay, throw them out. We only, at that time, we only put two rods out, so that way we could, uh... Well, I guess if you get a bite from the pictures, it looked like it was the one to get. Yeah, so... (laughs) A lot of fish that you can catch over there that's... A lot of fish over 200 pounds, and I can imagine, you know, of course, there's always some
0: big ones get away. Yeah. Did y'all, did you guys ever do any, like, uh, live baiting for him? We
1: did. did We used to get goggle eyes, but then you, you know trying to use a live bait and stay in front of the pompous and running yeah. and you end up just drowning them
0: right and right
1: right you so better off
0: just putting some plugs back there of course it was eating, just a, it.
1: the islander blue and white islander and kind of put it back there and there it was <laughs> he got it
0: so
1: <laughs> that's really cool wow wow and then you know tried uh, on the pacific side down in the tropic star in panama uh we tried sword fishing there but the current was just so horrendous really just couldn't couldn't keep nothing down no matter how much weight you put down and just couldn't I've couldn't heard of it.
0: other efforts over there did, did they catch them at all over there on oh, they catch them but, but uh just not consistent you not the consistent. I have the, you know several people caught them you know that they yeah in Venezuela, you were talking a little bit about that, like the, the current wasn't that bad. No, there. So the, maybe it,
1: not, if that, maybe two knots. So,
0: very similar to here in Venice, you know. Um, we don't have that much current no. usually whenever we're actually, I mean, sometimes you'll have that surface current, but that's not when it's as good, you know. We, yeah. But I know, like, in, in Florida, they, you know, they have, like, a, a lot of current. Five yeah, they're fishing the, g- the Gulf Stream,
1: so they, yeah. some people use window weights. Yeah, know, and then big of, of course a real long leader, so you're fighting a a window weight, and plus the, if you got a fish, you know we used to always, like I said, we got a bite, and you see the bottle get pulled underwater. Well, I guess you know you just watch your rod tip, and I guess you, in Florida watch your rod tip, and if it starts bending, you got something biting. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's the proper
0: way or what, but anyway, put a bait in a hook, you'll catch him. So. <laughs> anyway. Wow. So you guys, did is is was there any other locations that you that you were really fond of, or is it Venezuela your Venezuela favorite? Venezuela
1: was good. I mean, of course, I fished, you know, a lot of places, and you know, fished over in Madeira over there. Of course, that was a lot of big blue marlin over there, seen, and of course the tropics down there. You always see one guy; he's got to be seven, eight hundred pounds, and of course you miss him all the time. or the big one gets away. <laughs> and uh, but now the new thing now it's Costa Rica now, the fads sea mountains out there, the boys catching about a dozen there now, and anything. One or two now, it's about a dozen. So many dozens you wanna catch. Yeah, So what uh, so used to not be
0: like that, right? Like if you guys Well nobody did to, it, you know? You didn't have the fads and the nope. all the stuff that they have, yeah.
1: All the things to make the fish, you know, migrate around there and stick around and keep eating, so
0: how how do you feel about that and like in in terms to like Venice? Because we have like a lot of a lot of structure and stuff. They, you think since like we didn't have those rigs before, now that we have those rigs, do you think that those rigs are holding bait for these tunas? And now that we we might have more tunas than what we used well, to. Well, as far as I see, you know,
1: when you go out to the, out in the Gulf, and the first thing you come to the rig, you see how many boats are in the rig.
0: So it's 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 you know a man-made reef, I guess you want to say, but it's just, yeah. a, and it's. That's one thing that I, you know, I, I think is really interesting about uh, you know drilling for oil is. A lot of people are against it, but at the same time, it it, it I believe that it creates more fish. Um, yeah, I mean, you you know, if you give them more houses, there's going to be more. You know, you make it easier to live for people. We got more people. You make it easier to live for fish. You're going to have yeah. more fish. I mean, it's. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of good that comes from. Uh, well, definitely it definitely does, it's
1: just it's, it's a food chain here. you know, one little fish comes to the light and then here comes the next one comes to the light and then it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it keeps coming around and it's, it's proven here, you see all these boats that go out, come back and how good a day is to head. Yeah, yeah. And where you fish that, well, was that so-and-so rig and was that this rig or that rig or or a lump or whatever. It all has something to do with
0: attracting these fish to keep them there. Right, right. That's that's another thing with like you know the the marsh and the way it is now. I hear a lot of the older captains talk about, and maybe you might remember and you might be able to give some insight to some of our inshore captains. But how much land that there used to be compared to what there is now? Um, You know, can you can you tell us like what that was like the the land? Because like I I I never fished uh, you know in Venice pre Katrina, so I have no idea. You know the type of land that people talk about. Years so ago, before you know Cypress Cove, before Venice
1: Marina, it was either boats came from New Orleans all the time and went straight to South Pass.
0: No, and uh, there was never there was never an issue to navigate that no. waterway. Now that was no. pretty tough to. You map. could go
1: anything, you know. Like I say, boats would okay determine it, and everybody left from New Orleans, and uh, everybody left from Grand Isle. And there was no no marines here at that time for as my my time. It's right. Venice Marine one here. Cypress Cove one there. They had L and L fuel dock right there in Venice. And sometimes if you had big enough fenders and everything, you topped in, and get your gallons of fuel yeah. and then you went down the river and you went right straight down <laughs> South pass. Don't even think about hitting anything or running around. It was all good waters. And yeah, and then South pass, you know, remember what the days they only just had a wooden dock, didn't have no cement dock yeah and when you walked in and you had to walk in the shell road to get to the clubhouse and just see the old-time pictures of everybody you know in their days way in before one yeah yeah
0: and uh i always know. hear everybody talk about how great Ease was it makes yeah. me so jealous because i go down there fishing all the time and i look at that place and a I'm lot like, of history and well. the people a lot of fish that
1: was thrown up on the table there. And, you know weigh them and just throw them on the side that was another thing and then now you know it's got into conservation as far as tag and release and
0: yeah i mean what do you what do you think about that as far as like the mentality of what fishing used to be you know with all these you know uh fishermen you know killing i mean like there was no efforts for conservation and you know back in that day um you think that people have grown from that well they kind of see it's getting depleted because they you know, at that time, there were not that many sport fish boats now. It's like. Do you think it's getting depleted or do you think that, like, you know, people see that amount of fish getting killed and they, they just get mad because they know that it's, it's it's not getting used, you know, it yeah. might be getting wasted? Yeah. I mean. you. I think it's a little bit of both. Maybe, yeah, I guess you know? both
1: ways there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, now people are more. Conscious, okay take a picture and let him go and okay that that was a big one
0: yeah that is too because you know back then you didn't have a camera to take a picture and, yeah. and kind of show what you got you had po- to pull you yeah. had to you had to kill it in, in order to and you know, bring it, it back and hang it up them, and have that feeling of satisfaction that everybody yeah. craves of. take a picture <laughs> put it in a clubhouse and just leave them on a dock and some people
1: saw the bill off and the next thing you know bloop they throw and throw him in a river and they just it just floated away really it's tunas same way that they cut massive amount of tunas and bring them, take pictures. And nobody wanted a tuner there and everybody wants them now. So
0: that's crazy. And then, uh, you think that's why people want them now is because, you know, then it was like, Well, I remember Japanese
1: in my time when I was younger, Japanese long liners in the Gulf of Mexico still have some of the glass balls that they, they would do a webbing around the ball there, but it was glass and we would go miles and miles and see, these uh, longliners putting their gear there, how many miles of line they would put in? it was J- Japanese longliners, but of course they got, you know, they had a boundary, and they finally got run out the Gulf. But you see them in the Pacific side there, in Panama, they fished the Galapagos, and fish around Ecuador and all that, and uh, they, they, you know, the countries, they're being, being protected, right? don't come take all our fish, you know,
0: so. Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing, yeah. Yep. So, have have you seen any of those fisheries like as you know far as not just Venice but other ones? Have you seen any of them get depleted over the years from the time that you were fishing them? Or well, not, not really. I've been to Hawaii fishing? and
1: you fish the fads over there, but that's you know that's a whole different type of fads that are just a piece of junk in the water, you know, the palm fronds and some yeah. styrofoam. Right. And uh, I guess I guess the government over there pays for that. Yeah. Of course, their industries. There's fishing over
0: there, so a lot of people fish the fads over there. Yeah you know that and that's the thing is like now that we're starting to have you know obviously there's been more and more fishermen coming through Venice over the last whatever you want to say. I mean I've been down in Venice since 2015 and I've seen a substantial amount of growth in five years. But um, having said that you know there I think there could be some effort to make uh, you know more reefs since we have all these people that want to fish more and we have a land problem. I think that you know th- there could be an effort to make more land or or try and protect the land that we have um here around uh, venice and louisiana altogether. um you know I, i've had the idea i, I brought it up a f- to a few friends but if you if you made like a horseshoe of rocks and then you just dredged out the middle of it and mm-hmm. kind of made it like that you know maybe if we did that in areas like blind bay or you know out yeah. on the west side or something like that like you know maybe it would It it could make more fish, you know, maybe it it could bring back some of our trout fishing or something. What do you see in
1: Lake Charles and all that? They're making kind of reefs and of course, yeah, and actually
0: um, back home in uh, Mississippi uh, in the in the Mississippi Sound by Round Island They've made a whole estuary. It's pretty incredible. They made it basically extended the whole island and then they made like a whole cove that kind of comes in like it's a whole lagoon and i mean i go fishing you catch tons of little trout so you know they're you know they're yep. going in there to spawn they're doing it right so what
1: all comes to the point you know
0: money we ain't got
1: enough money to do this yeah thing. yeah and that's
0: None. and that's the problem but I'm, i mean you, i mean we've got to get funding from somewhere you know there's yep. so many people fishing what talking now, about it's, it's a lot of people with money fish too yeah
1: <laughs> i mean i've seen in one of the papers there in Plaquemines Parish there they were talking about they're going to put a dredge in South Pass and dredge that out and then now they're talking about doing red pass I guess but it's about a <laughs> it's about a, well, who's gonna pay for it you know it's, yeah uh, know yeah think, I'm so. sure yeah well, so that's what it is so.
0: who knows maybe one day well yep. um these mosquitoes are or, biting me up <laughs> yes they are the fish ain't <laughs> but biting but the mosquitoes are just uh, uh just we'll, we'll go ahead and uh and uh, start to wrap this up, but is there any advice that you can give um, to me? You know, I'm a younger captain down here, or anybody out there that's looking into getting into something like you did, like as far as you know the yacht and field, and you know any kind of uh, advice for people? You know? Well, you know, it, great to have. At the time I did it, it was just kind of a generation that
1: nobody nobody went anywhere. We you know going to South Pass and fish, and then man, we next trip is man we're going to the Bahamas and we. You know kind of several boats from say Louisiana and a few boats from Mississippi we end up in the Bahamas next thing you know Danny you go down to uh, the Yucatan fishing uh, Cozumel and East La and all that next thing you know it's bigger and bigger boats faster boats and you can do you know <laughs> a lot of traveling before you had to fill fill everything up with you know with gas to go anywhere so yeah
0: anyway. time goes on yeah yeah so you you know any advice for you know for guys looking to do that you know as far as like networking within within people or just well it, you get some people like to you know
1: oh I don't want to fish with that I, I want to travel all the time but go different places well that's nice but sometimes stay at home and learning some of the you know the things about fishing home and
0: then go on because I could go places and like, man. So yeah, what you're saying is to get experience yeah. first and then yeah, try can. to go try to go find your way into something that, yeah. that travels. Cause I go places and
1: like, but well, I mean, this is how we do it. Man, we don't do it like that. You ain't got to be crazy. You can't catch legs like that. I said,
0: well, just try it and say, you know, and it's just. Yeah, that's what it's about, right? You're supposed to, yeah, you know, take your knowledge and let other people learn from you and they learn from, you know, vice versa. It. Yeah, and it it it's sharing of knowledge. Yeah.
1: So but anyway it's, that's part of fishing you know experience experiencing everybody you can have a whole fleet of boats and everybody's going to do something different it ain't all the same but it comes out a bait and a hook and the fish is going to eat it so that's yeah that's yeah. what it is yeah. so
0: well great Lee I, I really appreciate right? you sitting down and doing this uh, podcast with me it was a great time and uh uh i hope i hope to have many more fun time maybe we go fishing sometime definitely (laughs) to go out in the bay boat. there you go thank you man appreciate it yep have a good one thanks for listening everybody please give us a follow on facebook or instagram at tunatown talks also if you'd like to book a charter with me you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com that's mexican gulf website where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates Remember guys, always be safe while out on the water.